Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. morning and welcome to worship. I've taken my coat off to make you all feel warmer. (laughs) Christmas is really for the children, especially for children who like animals, stables, stars, and babies wrapped in swaddling clothes. Then there are wise men, kings in fine robes, humble shepherds, and a hint of rich perfume. Easter is not really for the children, unless accompanied by a cream-filled egg. It has whips, blood, nails, a spear, and allegations of body snatching. It involves politics, God, and the sins of the world. It is not good for people of a nervous disposition. They would do better to think on rabbits, chicken, and the first snowdrop of spring. Or they'd do better, perhaps, to wait for a rerun of Christmas without asking too many questions about what Jesus did when he grew up or whether there's any connection. might seem a little strange to still be mentioning Christmas four weeks after it happened. But as we move into a new year, I want us to look at what it is that we expect of ourselves and of God in 2017. Our first song declares, Praise is Rising. Please stand if you're able and join with us in singing. I'm sorry if you didn't hear the full Papa Panov story because I wasn't switched on. Um, perhaps I could retell it. Is that? No, okay, perhaps I won't. And I'm sorry I've thrown John a little bit because I've gone off script a little bit as well. So apologies, John. Our first reading is from the book of Genesis, chapter 9, and verses 12 to 17. Genesis, chapter 9. And you're going to think, well, we've had Christmas, now we're going to have harvest. Okay, Genesis 9, 12 to 17. Following the Noah flood. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you. A covenant for all generations to come. Have I got this one a bit too close to me? Is that what's making it a bit bumpy? I have set my rainbow in the clouds and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds upon the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all earth. Whenever the rainbow appears in the cloud, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. So God said to Noah, 
This is the sign of the covenant I have established between me and all life on the earth. And then a reading from the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah, sometimes regarded as being a very doleful and rather serious prophet. But I want to read from Jeremiah 31 and verses 27 to 34. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will plant the kingdoms of Israel and Judah with the offspring of people and of animals, just as I watched over them to uproot and tear down and to overthrow, destroy and bring disaster. So I will watch over them to build and to plant, declares the Lord. In those days, people will no longer say, the parents have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. Instead, everyone will die for their own sin. Whoever eats sour grapes, their own teeth will be set on edge. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. Two readings there from the Old Testament. Let us pray together. Your word teaches us, Father, that you are God and you don't change. And that your word is from everlasting to everlasting. That you are the beginning and the end. That, Father, we can rely on what you say to us through your word. And through the words of those that know you. Father God, help us to be receptive to your word. Help us to be people who remember not only to talk with you, to talk to you, but to talk with you. To be prepared to listen to what it is you would have us say. Father, we thank you that you take us just as we are. And that when Jesus came into this world, he came to meet people where they were. And we thank you that for most of us here this morning, we have reached that point in our lives where we have said yes to the saving power that you offer. But if there is anyone here this morning, Father, whose love has grown cold, or if there is anyone here who has never fully known what it is to have Jesus within them, the Holy Spirit of God, and we pray that something that is said, maybe a hymn that is sung, maybe a word from your word, that that might touch them this morning, that they might feel their hearts strangely warmed. Father, forgive us for when we are lukewarm. Forgive us for those times when we fail to match up to the high standards of our calling. Your word teaches us in the book of Revelation, Father, 
You would rather we were hot or cold and not lukewarm. Help us to be hot for the gospel. Help us not only to live our Christianity during this time of worship on a Sunday, but in every moment of our lives. And forgive us when we fail to do that. Strengthen us, we pray, by your Holy Spirit. And to you be the glory. Amen. The third reading this morning is from the Gospel of Mark, a reading from chapter 14. And I'm always a little bit cross that Bibles don't come with more than two bookmarks. I always think they need four or five. But anyway, maybe I should have put a piece of paper in. Um, Mark's Gospel, chapter 14, and verses 12 to 26. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? So he sent two of his disciples telling them, go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Say to the owner of the house he enters, the teacher asks, Where is my guest room where I may prepare the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. The disciples left, went into the city, and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve. While they were reclining at the table eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They were saddened, and one by one they said to him, Surely you don't mean me. It is one of the twelve, he replied, one who dips bread into the bowl with me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. While they were eating, Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, take it, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said. Truly I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Thanks be to God this morning for his word to us through the scriptures. I don't know about you, but if I want to find anything that... um, I don't know about or if I want to catch up on any news or anything I google it I don't know if you're a googler or not but that's what I do and I decided I would google New Year's resolutions 2017 when I reached the page to which Google directed me it said that there were 119 million pages 119 million pages 
devoted to New Year's resolutions 2017. Now, I know some of those would have had tenuous links because as you go through the pages, the links become more and more obscure, perhaps. But I worked it out that if you could look at one page a second... See, I can tell I love maths, can't you? If you, worked, if you did it at one page a second, it would take you about a third of a year without any sleep at all and doing nothing else, one a second, take you about a third of a year to read every page. And you can work out how long it would take you if you took a minute for each one, 60 times that. So you're talking about 20 years if you took a minute on every page. And if you decided to spend an hour on every page, you wouldn't do it before you'd finished your life. So there is a great interest, isn't there? A great interest in New Year's resolutions. And I'm just wondering if... I'm not going to ask you what it was, but did anyone actually make any New Year's resolutions this year? Oh, you naughty people. You're a bit like my son, who many years ago, when he, we kept saying to him, have you made any New Year's resolutions, Jason? Yes, he said, I've made one. I've made a resolution not to make any. Well, maybe you've been a bit like that this year as well. Or maybe, maybe you thought, well, I'm good enough. There's nothing I need to change. I'm okay as I am. I'm ready for whatever life brings. I don't need to make any New Year's resolutions. I won't be rude to my wife anymore. I won't say anything unkind. Will I, dear? I personally think that resolutions are good, but not at New Year necessarily. I think at any time of the year, but how easy they are to forget, aren't they? How easy they are to break. I number of times, I've lost count, I'll be honest, I've lost count of the number of times I've thought, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep a journal, a diary, every day. It lasts about five days normally with me. And I think, oh, it's too late tonight. I don't feel like doing doing that now. And then the next day you think, well, I didn't do it yesterday. What's the point of doing it today? And resolutions can easily, without that inner conviction... Resolutions are easy to break. You know, it's easy to say, I'm going to be kind to my neighbour. I'm going to be kind to my neighbour. Then the neighbour shouts over the fence at you about something you've done wrong. And you think, oh. It's easy because that inner conviction isn't there. It's an outward expression of something that you haven't really felt inwardly. And it is easy for us to fall away from our resolutions. I've got a quotation here from... um, The Aberdeen Evening Express of 1888. Now, come on, you've all read that, haven't you? The Aberdeen Evening Express of 1888. There are men who shudder at the thoughts of breaking a New Year's resolution, but spend most of their time breaking the Ten Commandments. There are men who shudder at the thoughts of breaking a New Year's resolution, but spend most of their time breaking the Ten Commandments. Many say that 2016 was a very difficult year. And certainly there were some major events that took place, whichever side of the fence you stood on during the elections back in the spring, whichever side of the fence you sit on as regards Donald Trump becoming the President of the United States on Friday, Whatever side of the fence you sit on with regards to immigration, 
whatever side of the fence you sit on with regards to the National Health Service. So many things that could be divisive within our nation. And in many ways, perhaps it was a difficult year. And perhaps we would hope that 2017 would be better. People who've lost loved ones in 2016, and we had to go to Cornwall for a funeral fairly recently to a friend who had died. And for her husband, who was left behind, he couldn't wait for the year to end because he wanted a fresh start with 2017. And yes, it's just a day. It's just another number. And I'm afraid I'm one of those that my wife has to wake up in order to wish me a happy new year. It is just another day, but it is an opportunity for us to rethink and to look back at the covenant that we have made with God. God made his covenant right back at the time of Noah. We read about it. He said, I'm going to put a rainbow in the sky. And please, don't let gay pride or the new age people take over the rainbow. It doesn't belong to them. It belongs to God. It's God's symbol. It's God's sign. It's God's reminder to us of his promise that never again would he flood the earth in the way that he had at the time of Noah. And he made this covenant. It was an outward showing of what God was prepared to do for mankind. But as we read on in the book of Jeremiah, and we read from the book of Jeremiah, and I want to take my text from there, and I'd like to read it. I've got a large print Bible, and I still need my glasses. That's getting a bit worrying, I think. But there we go. It says in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 31 and verse 33, This is the covenant that I will make with the people of Israel at that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. If you read in the book of Jeremiah before this proclamation that Jeremiah gave of God's word to his people, you will find that despite all the signs of God's faithfulness, the people had obscured the covenant with God, the covenants that had happened with Noah, the covenants that had happened with Abraham, and being repeated down through the generations. They'd obscured the covenants with rites and rituals, and they'd lost touch with God himself. I was a little bit like a friend, I remember, leading a Christmas service on one occasion, and he got all the people out, and he placed the crib at the front, and then he said, I want some of you to come out and be shepherds, and I want some of you to come out and be angels, and some of you to come out and be kings, and gradually as he did so, he moved the crib back a little bit, and he brought out all the people, I want some of you to be Herod, I want some of you to be his soldiers. By the time he'd finished, he'd got all of us out on the, at the front, standing. And the crib was right at the back. We had completely obscured the whole point of what Christmas was all about. And this is the sort of thing that had happened with the, time, with the people of Israel at the time of Jeremiah. They had laid down so many rules and laws and regulations about worshipping God that they'd lost sight of God himself. And God says to Jeremiah, these outward signs are not enough. It's not good enough to have an outward covenant. I'm going to have an inward covenant. 
I'm going to have one that is in people's hearts. And you won't have to say to people, do you know God? Because they will all know me. Because they will have my spirit, the spirit of God within them. Remember when Jesus was at the time of his ascension, just before he ascended into heaven, he said to his disciples, it's good that I go away from you. It's good that I go. He was saying, I can't be with all of you everywhere all the time in a physical form. But I will send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. That's part of God that is available to all mankind. And we need to remember that when we watch the television news sometimes. It's available to all. There's a song we used to sing, for all, for all, my Savior died. For all, for all, was crucified. And in our final reading, which we took from the Gospel of Mark, Jesus reinforces that inward covenant, that inward promise of God. And he introduced a new outward sign for us of that inward expression. And that was the Lord's Supper. When he instituted that, he said, when you do this, remember me. When you do this, remember me. And that's why I like the simplicity of the Lord's Supper. That's why I don't like it surrounded by ritual and form. I like it to be real for me personally. And that's what Jesus intended, I think. That that promise of the covenant within the heart was reinforced by Jesus. We have to be very careful, don't we? Not to shroud the cross and all its meaning in ritual. Now, I could easily go down the road here of criticising the Roman Catholic Church or High Anglicans for all their ritual and their ceremonies and their rather, let's be honest, rather strange garb that they wear and headgear. Yes, I think there's a danger there of obscuring the truths about God. But I also believe that even us, in what we would call the part of the Reformation, that we would decide that we too don't have anything that gets in the way. We don't worship buildings, do we? Do we? Someone once, only this week, we were with friends having supper, and someone said they were at a church in Cambridge this last week, and someone had said to them, you know, I would never go to worship in a church where they don't use hymn books. Oh, you won't be seeing them here. You won't be seeing them at Histon. I would never worship in a church that doesn't use hymn books. And my question would have been, well, which hymn book have we got to use then? We've had this with the Bible, haven't we? It must be the authorised version. It must be for us Christians. I do remind those people that the authorised version was translated, brilliant though it is and beautiful though it is, but it was by Roman Catholics at the time of James II. God's word is alive and well. But we have to be careful that we don't surround it with things that get in the way. I've gone to church meetings on occasions where God is hardly ever mentioned. I'm not talking about Histon now, just in case you're worried. Although I did remind someone that the first ever meeting I went to at Histon Baptist Church, the first church meeting I went to, and this is truth, they spent 45 minutes talking about the broom cupboard. 
45 minutes on the broom cupboard. Things have improved since then, and our meetings are now times of fellowship and rejoicing. But we have to be careful that order and method are hallmarks of much of our form of worship. And sometimes we get to the stage where, it's a story I must have told you before, forgive me, and Pauline has heard it numerous times. Forgive me if you've heard it. I tell you what, if anybody remembers it, you can continue it as I tell it. The story is told of a church in Cornwall, true story, who had had a visit from Cliff College, Cliff College Mission. And they'd seen a number of new people coming to worship. And during the church meeting a few weeks later, the minister said to one of the leaders of the church, gosh, isn't it wonderful to see these new people coming into church? Yes, mister, came the reply, but us like it best when it is only we. Us like it best when it is only we. And how disturbing it can be sometimes, can't it, when new people come into the church and have a different idea to yours. My word, there's danger. We have to be careful that we don't stifle the Spirit of God simply because of our own reservations. Maybe you have people occasionally who come to church and put their hands up to worship God. Oh, a preacher at a church in North Cornwall, which no longer exists, unfortunately, but it was my childhood church, once said, those of you that want to clap, clap. But don't look at those that are not clapping and say, what's wrong with them? But equally, those of you that are not clapping, don't look at those that are and say, what's wrong with them? Let God's spirit move. Don't stifle the spirit in 2017. We need to be reminded of God's covenant with us. And he is faithful and true. And if we have to make any New Year's resolutions at all, let it be that we will not stifle the spirit of God in Cottenham Baptist Church. That we will allow the spirit of God to move, even when it's uncomfortable for us, on a personal level. God is faithful and true. And someone once wrote, a gentleman called Haskin, I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, and you know this well, give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. And he replied, go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. That shall be to you better than light and better than a new way. We're going to watch a short video in just a moment after we've had our prayers. I'm going to read three of the quotes. It's a very short video just of quotations about the new year. Let me just highlight three which will come up. G.K. Chesterton wrote, The object of a new year is not that we should have a new year. It is that we should have a new soul. Let us resolve to let go of our past Embrace God in our present and bring change to our future. And in 2 Corinthians 5.17 we read, Therefore if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Let us pray together. You are not your past. God is your future. Let us sing... An old favourite of Jesus, I have promised. We go straight into the 
singing. This I have promised to serve thee.